Today's scripture reading is from Colossians 1, 9 through 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Okay, it's nice to be back uh, with a lot of you uh, in person and those of you that are joining um, on digital. Um, those of you in person, bear with us as we deal with a projector bulb issue, we think. So, thank you. Um, last Sunday, we embarked um, on a new sermon series based on the first chapter of Colossians uh, with the final installment. Uh, projected to land on verses 28 and 29, which is our 2022 church key verses. In the first message on uh, verses 1 through 8, we talked about spiritual signatures, right? Um, those characteristics that were uh, vintage to Apostle Paul, to the Colossian church, right? And to the gospel, right? Um, today's message seeks to focus on prayer, prayer. Uh, that blessed discipline and practice that I believe actually God has gifted to the entire human race. But especially, um, it's a precious experience and privilege to those who've been, as verse 13 states, rescued uh, from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son he loves, right? Children of God. Um, I titled my sermon, uh, The Pleasure of Prayer, okay? The Pleasure of Prayer. Uh, based on Paul's numerous references uh, in the passage to prayer and the pleasing of God, uh, prayer can be uh, and should be a desirable experience, one that calls us back in anticipation and satisfaction again and again. Um, it certainly pleases God when we pray. Uh, so we should anticipate and engage in this most personal of experiences uh, with the Lord. So my title, the pleasure of prayer. I kind of borrowed it from a book that I've been reading uh, recently. It's a compilation of essays, uh, interviews, and talks given by the uh, renowned physicist uh, Richard Feynman. Um, the work is called The Pleasure of Finding Things Out. Anybody have read that? The Pleasure of Finding Things Out. Um, in it, he mentions kind of the joy and enthrallment of having a curious mind to see how things work. Uh, we might call that the scientific impulse. Uh, he, he may not call it that, but 
that's what I gathered, or the investigative impulse, um, this ongoing, this constantly refining body of knowledge is what Feynman finds uh, exhilarating in his life. His long and illustrious career was motivated in this manner. This is what he found worthwhile. He was asked, like, was it, how was it to get the Nobel Prize, right? He um, was a, uh, he won the Nobel Prize for finding quantum electrodynamics um, uh, as a, I think, a researcher at Caltech. Uh, anyway, he won the Nobel Prize in 1947. And um, he was saying, I don't really like or need honors like that. He said, the pleasure of finding the thing out uh, the kick in the discovery uh, that others are using my work. This was the prize. This was more valuable to him than uh, the Nobel Prize in uh, Physics. So I was thinking with that, my title, uh, we want to submit that prayer. Prayer, along with its proper content, um, or what can give us rich pleasure and joy in our Christian lives. This is one of the chief blessings that make our lives worthy of living, or as Paul puts it, makes our living worthy of the Lord. Prayer, prayer. I can say that, but if you're anything like me, um, prayer is typically uh, harder than easier, more obligatory than natural, at times the uh, hurdle rather than an exhilaration. The lyrics of that old hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer, uh, it's kind of few and far between. Why is that the case? Am I doing something wrong? Am I missing something? Uh, that might be possible. Uh, but I found that uh, my prayer life grows when I begin to appreciate prayer in newer ways, in better ways, in fuller ways, like kind of like, you know, seeing something from a different angle, right? Appreciating it from a different uh, perspective. This helps me engage uh, in prayer more frequently and uh, sincerely. Hence, my ever-renewing uh, New Year's resolutions uh, invariably involve uh, something about prayer life. Last year, if, if, you, if you knew, I tried to sit under the tutelage uh, of certain biblical prayer mentors, namely Habakkuk, right? So I, how to pray about justice, right? Habakkuk prayed a lot about that. Elijah praying for uh, spiritual power, right? He was a man who, whom God worked through. And then Daniel, right? Um, prayers concerning the future. I wanted to learn how they prayed, how God answered them. I found it quite helpful to organize my petitions around those themes. So in 2022, I've adopted uh, at least two new prayer warriors. Hannah, right? Hannah who prayed with perseverance. Wanted to learn how to stick to praying for something. And Jeremiah, right? Lament and grief and you know, the fall of Jerusalem and all that. I, I thought... It'd be helpful to me. Uh, I may stick with Daniel for another year. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, I'm still working that out or if I should select a new third uh, biblical mentor. Um, how about you? Right? Um, what are your methods? What are your efforts to enhance and strengthen your prayer life? 
How do you pray without ceasing? How do we approach the throne of grace with more confidence? How can we enjoy our time with God more thoroughly and more regularly? For the rest of uh, today's message, I want to offer some observations uh, on why, uh, from the passage on why and how prayer can actually be more pleasing to ourselves as the people who pray and to God as the person that we pray to and with. How can it be pleasing? Uh, more of a pleasing experience. So um, we can't do the slide in person, but there's three kind of ideas or thoughts. Right? One is um, that prayer is a gateway. Okay? Think of the word gateway or the term gateway. It's a gateway to not only praying, communication, but to a lot of like rich and new and exciting experiences or aspects of the Christian life, a gateway. Uh, and the second, prayer contains uh, dynamism, right? Yeah. Um, there's something about the experience of prayer that uh, I'm going to talk about it being a catalyst, right? It, it excites everything. It elevates everything, right? It makes the Christian life uh, pump. It, it, it keeps it working and energized, right? And then uh, last, depth. Um, I think the, some of the power and the pleasure and the beauty of prayer is in the experience of profound closeness, intimacy, uh, communion is a great word uh, with our Lord. Okay, hopefully I can explain these a little bit more. But first, gateway. Uh, to me, through prayer, we are given extraordinary access to an audience with God. When we voice a prayer, God promises to hear it. If it is within his will, he promises to answer it. So when we realize the incredible opportunity afforded us, the privilege to pray, I think it should fill us with this amazing awe, this excitement, uh, this elation. Wow, I get the chance to pray to the God who created me, created the world. Um, I had one kind of experience of, of meeting a famous person. Um, I told you, some of you, about this, but uh, on a vision trip to Africa, to Rwanda, um, our pastor's team uh, got a chance to um, have spend an hour or so, not, not, not quite an hour, maybe 40 minutes with the president of Rwanda, Paul Kagame, right, Paul Kagame, and um, it was uh, like a real kind of, uh, uh, I enjoyed it uh, so much. I just read a book about him, about how, you know, they had the Rwandan genocide where the Hutus, you know, uh, basically tried to wipe out the Tutsis and how Kagame led um, a, a kind of a counter-revolution and uh, kind of, uh, I, I think, saved the country. Now, I know 
if you read about him these days, they say that he's authoritarian himself and all that kind of stuff. But at that time, I was kind of taken by not necessarily his military chops or, or kind of his, even his leadership, but just of his uh, endurance, his perseverance, his courage in, in, in kind of bringing the country back from the brink. Um, and so we were told what the protocol was, you know, we were uh, given a chance to ask questions. So I like, I agonized over the one question I got to ask him. Everyone got one question. And then we were told like, we had to go through security and we, had to, we got to sit in like the, 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 the chambers there. And um, we were told to, to address him in a certain way. I forget what it was, but something about the excellency, et cetera, et cetera, and that kind of stuff. And, but I was like really wrapped and I was like, that, that made the, the whole trip kind of uh, fun and uh, exciting uh, for me. Cause I got to spend, you know, 30 minutes in a shared conference with the, you know, somebody I was interested in, the president. I got him, I brought the book, I got him to sign it. That was kind of fun, <laughs> took a picture, yeah. I got kind of giddy about just another human being, you know, someone maybe that has something admirable, but, you know, we have a chance to, you know, meet with, you know, the Lord himself. The author, the perfecter, the creator, the sustainer, the redeemer, right? The, the, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's what prayer does. It opens up uh, access, right? More than access, more than mere access to this effusive kind of, I want to give an effusive picture of what you know, prayer can be. So you know, that's why I use the term gateway. Gateway connotes like entry into or upon manifold opportunities or directions. It's like a launching point or launching pad into uh, fuller, uh, a, a wider, more intensive, sometimes even more severe or dangerous. Like, you know, you've, you've heard the term gateway drug, right? Gateway drug, where um, it's like an introductory habit-forming substance, maybe not as harmful, uh, people think, like marijuana or, or smoking, but then it's a gateway drug to more severe, more dangerous, more addictive uh, drugs. So. I kind of felt like it's kind of funny to compare prayer to a gateway drug. So I looked up other usages. There's not that many, but there's like a gateway IP address for our tech people, right? A device on a network which sends local network traffic to other networks. <laughs> Whatever. The gateway, right? I want to use it in a positive sense. That gateway, a prayer is the gateway habit, the gateway discipline or practice or means or way to open up the panoply of spiritual experiences and blessings that can characterize a vibrant Christian life. And a prayer brings us closer to God in ways that most, I think all other Christian activity cannot. Right? Because prayer is all about one-on-one -on -one with God. Right? Being with Him. Communicating with Him. Listening. Uh, to him, being excited because we're with him and, and, and he's with us. Uh, so I think when we develop and, 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 and strengthen or expand our prayer life, we're going to open up many doors 
to excitement and exhilaration in our walk with God. And when we read Apostle Paul, we can find many references to prayer. Some think that Paul's usual mentioning of prayer in his greetings or introduction, as we read, is just kind of customary um, in his style. I don't believe so. I think prayer is actually not only the starting point of Paul's letters, it's the source of his Christian life. The origin of Paul's extraordinary missionary career was a prayer he uttered on the road to Damascus when he was blinded by the light from heaven. Remember the light shines, like he's blinded, and what is, what, what is Paul's reaction? It's a prayer. He says, who are you, Lord? That's a prayer. That's a, that's a groan, right, from the abysmal reaches of his, uh, of his heart. It's a, it's, a, it's a plea. Tell me who you are. Please, I want to know. Why I'm going through this? What are you saying to me, right, Lord? And it's a prayer that Jesus answers in the immediate term and then throughout Paul's life, stretching on into eternity. And then after arriving in Damascus, Paul is still unable to see. He remains in a state of fasting and prayer for three days until God sends Ananias to kind of restore his sight. So prayer remained this first step, this cornerstone to everything uh, Paul did and decided. And it undergirded the foundation of what Paul envisioned for all of his churches, for all of the people he shepherded in Christ. It wasn't just part of the Christian life, it was the gateway. I keep trying to emphasize that, right? the gateway into the Christian life. And in our Colossians text, he's not reciting some standard prayer formula. He's not ritualistically or dutifully just checking off some boxes. Prayer is like the anchor which held the entire ministry of the uh, Colossians staked right to spiritual ground. That's how I read this responsive prayer to the report that uh, Colossians were living out faith, hope, and love. Paul immediately turns, right? He says, I've been praying nonstop for you guys. This prayer is active, it's incessant, it's animated, right? He only knew, not, not only knew he needed to pray for them, he wanted to pray for them. This was the means by which he could help them to grow. In fact, he didn't just instruct them, you guys need to know God's will. You guys need to be strengthened more. You he doesn't tell them what they need. He leads by example. He tells them, I'm praying, I'm showing you how to get to that knowledge of God's will, how to get to the fullness of his strength, how to get to all of his glorious might through prayer, right? through this kind of... Uh, time with God. Right? Prayer, uh, Paul's prayer seeks to unlock a deluge of more wonderful things from God. Right? Even in this, like, the will of God for them, Paul can't tell them what it is for the Colossians. That's, it's up to God to do that. Right? The Colossians have to find it. How? You know, the main way, I think, is uh, through prayer. Um, my dad uh, kind of it was I think back um, about you know how we interacted and and I think he was really uh, kind of adept at teaching. He was a real he was a real teacher and, uh, and and so you know there's a lot of stories about things I learned from him. As I got older, um, I remember like sitting with him um, as an adult and saying, "Oh, you know I wish I could uh, learn like like better like improve my Korean right because I had some background but." You know, I wasn't very good at it and stuff. So I expected him to kind of, uh, you know, like sit with me and, and kind of, 
you know, teach me, but um, he goes, let me think about it. And the next day he comes back and he brings, gives me this book, this thick book, right? And he said that um, the key to, in his mind to learning Korean is to actually learn Chinese characters. Hancha, <laughs> uh, right? Hancha. He goes, uh, you're not going to understand at least historical Korean or scholarly Korean unless you uh, uh, read, um, you're able to understand, you know, uh, some of the Chinese writings that, that undergird it, right? And although, you know, as many of you know, I think in the 15th century, you know, the king of King Sejong came up with Hangul, which is kind of a phonetic alphabet of the Korean language, and that became very popular. But only until like the 20th century um, did they kind of move away from from Hancha and stuff like that. So I still have that book. I've wrestled with it a few times, and one of the resolutions, Tony, <laughs> is that I'm going to go back to it because I want it to be like a gateway for me to understand, you know, the language and my own past and culture, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Prayer. Prayer as the gateway to hopefully, right, a blessed, a dynamic um, Christian life, right? That's the second point I want to make. The second point is that uh, prayer can be joyful. It can be pleasurable because it, it, it really serves to kind of activate not only introduces or opens the way, but it kind of, uh, it again, I'm going to use the word cat, cat, catalyst, it catalyzes, catalyzes um, it ignites uh, more and more uh, dynamism, right? Uh, last week you said the gospel is uh, productive and transformative in nature. Tony said it was disruptive, right? I think prayer functions, at least uh, in, in a practical Christian sense, in the same way. When we pray, right, God brings all the pieces of our Christian journey together. Right? It activates, it mobilizes that dynamic walk with God. It keeps the spiritual lifeblood uh, flowing. Right? The more we devote ourselves to prayer, the more progress, the greater movement, the increased excitement, the uh, faster kinetic energies, the higher spiritual energies get uh, stirred up, right? Paul talks about a fruit-bearing life, right? Uh, seeing uh, prayer really um, lead us to deeper fruit, right? Growth in the knowledge of God. Again, verse 11, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, right? Can, can you imagine that? Having this endurance and patience to withstand anything the world, the sin, the devil can throw at us, right? That's, that's amazing, right? If prayer can um, help me uh, to become like that, to um, experience the th uh, thrilling uh, dynamics uh, of that, right? Yeah. You know what a catalyst, right, is? A catalyst is, it's, a, it's something that when and added to a reaction, it modifies and increases the rate of the reactors. It makes it go faster. It kind of hypes it up. It kind of, it kind of like um, injects some energy and some speed, uh, the reaction. But in and of itself, it's not re consumed in the process, right? It doesn't burn out. It's still available, right? It's like prayer. Prayer is like that catalyst. It activates God's power in my life. It motivates me to move faster and grander. 
right? Often more, uh, even more color, colorfully. Prayer can bring this kind of verve, right, into my Christian life. And these days, I feel like that's what you and I need. We need more uh, action, right? I don't mean activity, right? I'm not saying we do more per se, but that which we do, I want it to be elevated. I want it to be richer. I want it to be, um, you know, more bang for my buck kind of thing, right? Exciting, uh, active, right? Kinetic, that kind of, you know, visibility, that kind of uh, feeling, that kind of evidence of, of God working. And, and I think that is really going to really depend on prayer, right, for you and me, for all, for all of us. I mentioned uh, at the New Year's Eve service how Mona and I got to spend Christmas and the end of the year with her parents in Northern California. And I talked about uh, how we walked around a lot and saw the results of a lot of rainfall, right? There had been a lot of rainfall, and we had seen, like, um, the, uh, the hills, there's a lot of nearby hills where she lives. For the first time in like 10 years, they were green. <laughs> Normally it's brown, kind of, you know, not, not, not desert, but kind of like brown and, and uh, yeah, it's not, it's not ugly, but it doesn't like catch your eye. It just kind of blends in. But this time, right, it, it kind of looked like, you know, some of it looked like hairs on, on like a bald head, like on a baby or, or a person who's balding. Um, but it, it really kind of was verdant. It was really nice, pleasant. It kind of, you know, really made the wa the hiking or the walking uh, really enjoyable, right? And, I, and then Mona observed that for the first time, even though her town is called Walnut Creek, there was actually a creek. <laughs> there was water flowing in that. And I, 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 was, I was thinking about prayer and, and thinking about the message. I go, that's the kind of like, you know, Life, that's the kind of uh, fullness, abundance uh, that I want to see. Now, now Mona's uh, mother these days is really into like a vegetable garden. And that's probably the you know, true of any Asian parent or any parent in general. It's like if they can eat vegetables from their own backyard, they're like, that's, that's, that makes, that's like a worthy life for them. But she's, I think, got a green thumb and we were eating uh, a number of vegetables that, you know, she had um, harvested. Right, like, um, and uh, her garden is actually like fun to look at, and and to kind of like trying to identify what the and she's got the basics, you know, some of the like the tomatoes and all that kind of stuff. But she's got some like like vegetables I've never seen before. Like, I had to ask her today what what she, this one was called, but she, you know, she it's just like this really. It almost looks like this. I'm, I'm using my. Thing. It kind of looks like this. This is like imagine this being green and perfectly uh, this um, mic stand being green and these leaves are like, it's almost like a Christmas tree but it's not like, a, it's not like pine or fir, it's, it's like really leafy, right? It's called aok in Korean. I don't know what it is in English or, or any other language but we were eating like soup from that and it was so yummy, right? So I was like, she had several stocks that she had not yet harvested but I was just like so happy. <laughs> Just seeing that, you know, actually like farm to table, right? Farm all that kind of 
uh, stuff. And then she was, she was like so excited about a different vegetable. It's a type of radish or a turnip um, that um, you can make this kind of like a kind of a cold kind of a fermented uh, dish uh, from it. It's kind of a radish, but she called it um, sumu, right? Sumu, and apparently you can get it at you know like in like a supermarket, Asian market, and stuff like that. But she was talked about an hour. Like Mona had cousins that you know from Korea visiting, and they were talking like an hour about why this particular vegetable, this sumu, was the tastiest and the and special because it came from their hometown, from Kangwa Island. And like they were like saying, they bought you know all these vegetables from so many different stores, but this. Somebody gave her a seed for it and she grew it in her garden and like waited every meal, <laughs> every meal, that kind of thing. That, I don't know, you know, you may not be into, into gardening or vegetables, but whatever it is that makes you pump, makes you go, makes you like excited to walk with God and to walk with others, I think prayer is really going to catalyze that, right? It's what makes the Christian life fuller and richer, right? To, so let's fan that into flame, right? How desirable is that? How great my Christian journey would be, you know, when prayer serves as a dynamo uh, to invigorate it again and again. All right, final point. Uh, let me frame it with this question. Why is prayer pleasing to God? Um, now, th this could be a number of reasons, right? Um, prayer teaches us to depend on God. God's primary relationship with us is as a father, heavenly father. And so when we learn to trust and depend him on him, that's great. That God, God's pleased. Also, you know, maybe prayer can help us discern what God's will is, right? That's what Paul's praying for, that they would know the will of God. Uh, and how do we know what God is doing? Right? A prayer, I think, the Bible teaches that it's a great way. Because right? when we pray about something and God answers it, we know that that's his will. Right? If you, we just live life and random things happen, is it God, is it not God, am I supposed to do this, am I not supposed to do this, we don't know. Right? But when we fine-tune our prayer life to be able to approve or approve, as it says in Romans 12, what the perfect will of God is, uh, that, that, that's through a life of vibrant prayer. But I think the reason to me, as I thought about it, that prayer pleases God so much is because it, it really is the kind of the, the purest form of relationship with Him. Right? God's not visible, right? but He's real. Right? And prayer is the, the mode, the means by which we can really spend time with Him. Right? It's how we fellowship with him. It's how we get closer uh, to him. It's how we converse with him again and again. Right? Can you think of somebody that maybe uh, you can, uh, when you get together with them, right? go out or you go to their office or you, know, you spend time on the phone or whatever, in that communication you always walk away like, man, I'm so glad I talked to him. Or I talked to her. Or I got so blessed by something. You know, it, there is this kind of connection, right? A deeper and deeper connection that's forged every time you uh, speak uh, with them, right? You learn not only something about what they've gone through, what they've learned, but uh, I think in the best kind of interactions, this kind of deep 
connection is that you walk away learning something more about yourself, right? And that's what makes prayer so powerful. It makes it so pleasurable. It makes it so uh, important, so desirable because uh, you learn about yourself. You learn about uh, God. Um, I remember uh, we had a retreat speaker once who uh, was a, um, he taught at seminary, but also was a pastor, a godly man, maybe some of you old-timers remember him, Wallace Williams. I remember his name because, you know, Braveheart is William Wallace, but his name was Wallace Williams. Anyway, uh, I still, you know, send him Christmas cards, although he hasn't responded in about 10 years. But while he, when he came to speak at a retreat, he was kind of being um, interim pastor, retired, at a church he used to pastor in Connecticut, right, in Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, I he was um, an expert on C.S. Lewis, actually. That, um, uh, that was one of his things. But he was just uh, overall somebody who you could really learn something from, from talking to. And he was telling me about his experience uh, with that, that when he was a pastor at Connecticut, he found out that um, this uh, famous uh, American poet, Robert Penn Warren, right? Robert Penn Warren, who wrote, um, was also an author, but also was a poet, a poet laureate of the U.S. He won the Pulitzer in poetry two times and, and novel writing one time, but just kind of a famous guy and kind of, of the new criticism school of thought. Um, he also was a civil rights kind of a, a, a he was, he was in, a proponent of racial integration uh, and all that, just, just somebody that was well respected. And uh, I think uh, Pastor Wallace had Williams had uh, done his master's thesis on this author, Robert Penn Warren. And so when he found out he was like, you know, 10 minutes away by car, he called him up and requested, like, can I come and visit you and, and, and converse with you? So he was, you know, welcomed. And he got to visit him, I think, a number of times uh, before his death, right? And he was telling me about how, like, enriching it was for him, not only you know, meeting somebody who had so much knowledge, but somebody who, you know, he could talk about his <laughs> his graduate work with him and that kind of stuff and, and how that kind of benefited him. And as he was telling me that, I go, man, I, I feel like that way with, you know, Pastor Williams, right? That when I, I got to see him a few times before that, he moved down to Kentucky after that interim pastorship. But, you know, a few restaurants, a few times we got together, visited his church, and it was like I looked forward to that, like, there was something like kind of a like a soulful connection, right? That that I was able to have, and that was a really uh, a thankful uh, thing uh, uh, for me, right? Yeah, prayer, prayer with God, uh, pleases God because it's the way we can draw closer to Him. When we pray, we can bring pleasure to God because He finds pleasure within us. That's the amazing truth that many of us have yet to discover. Why is prayer so great? Why does it resonate with the best parts of our soul? I think it's because that's how God designed us. God made us to commune with Him, right? That's, what it, that's part of what it means to be made in the image of God, right? We are given this ability, this capacity to communicate with God in ways that no other creature possibly could. God not only gave us minds and bodies, but He gave us spirits, right? And it's through the spirit that we can, our spirit, that we can relate to God's spirit. 1 Corinthians 2. Corinthians 2, right? The Spirit searches all things, 
even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Okay. A lot of, a lot of words, but really helpful verses. Right? That God's spirit connects to our spirit. And, and in the best prayer, that's what's happening, I believe. Because that's what God created us to do, to get to that place, that experience, that, that moment where our spirit right, and his spirit join together in, in some an inexplicable way. Right? It's kind of like when someone who's endowed with a special ability or a special knowledge, when you see them like a, a, a musician, right, really express that gift, or an athlete doing what he or she does best, or um, an actor, right, just putting on the perfect right, performance in, in a flawless, such a natural manner in which things are executed, right? And I feel like, you know, prayer is that spiritual kind of uh, gift or blessing or uh, uh, um, what God has designed us to just fit in such a perfect way with, with His Spirit. And unless we do that, our, our Christian life is going to be sluggish. It's going to be more like effort than it is kind of like, you know, power that, that God um, gave for us. There's that movie, talk about a lot, Chariots of Fire, right? Which is based on uh, real uh, Olympic athletes, right? From, from the United Kingdom. And um, there's a lot of stories going on, but one of the one of the main ones is about a, a man, a runner named Eric Liddell, right? And he was um, a, a strong Christian. He was um, training to be a missionary to China, right? But he really felt that uh, God had um, given him the chance to race, right? And so uh, he's kind of serving the Lord uh, and you know not compromising his faith but also uh, you know, getting ready for the Olympics. And um, his uh, sister, who's also uh, a devout Christian, kind of criticizes him and says, you're spending too much time you know, training. And he said uh, this to her, God has made me for China, but God has also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Right? And then he actually is not able to compete in his trained race because... It so falls on a Sunday, and he doesn't feel like he doesn't believe that he should she should run on a Sunday. So he runs a different event, and he wins, and he wins at the very end by, you know, leaning back and just drinking in, you know, God's strength and glory. And it's it's a great movie. I think it won Best Picture in 1980. Yeah, right. There's a guy that somehow in his running he experiences the pleasure of God, right. I'm thinking at least in prayer, right? That should be our pleasure. That should be our depth. That should be where we feel a special connection 
with God, delving into our relationship with Him. Yeah. You know, Paul says that as he's getting these visions and revelations, he's caught up in the third heaven. Nobody knows what that means, right? But I think that's what he's saying, that in prayer, he feels so close to God, right? And it's, it's what makes his Christian life really um, wonderful, really amazing, really powerful. Okay, uh, let me wrap up by is issuing a little challenge to uh, you and me. If indeed prayer does is a gateway and it, it is a catalyst and it, it is a, a, a kind of a gift uh, that we can commune with the Spirit, are we activating? Are we accessing? Are we engaging this key, this privilege, this opportunity uh, God has given us? Um, when we are raising our kids, uh, we tried to read them a lot of books. And one of the books we read from was, it's called The Children's Book of Virtues, right? By, uh, it's compiled by William Bennett, who was like, I think, Bush's um, Secretary of Education. Uh, our kids called it the Book of Urchus, right? They couldn't pronounce the V. But we kind of re tried to read, read them a story, uh, like, each night. Uh, there's one that I like called Please. P-L-E-A-S-E, -E please. It's a short story by Alicia Aspinwall. The story is about how the word please resides in every person's mouth. Right? When someone is polite and grateful, um, the please is allowed to breathe fresh air, get exercise, and be happy. So the story uh, centers uh, on one young boy who's very spoiled. He's very demanding. He's very impolite, even impertinent. Um, he rarely uses the word please. And so his please starts to get tired and feel weak and neglected. The boy's older brother uh, is the opposite. He's polite and grateful. His please is happy and healthy. Well, the impolite boy's please sees that uh, there's a, you know, a better host. And so he runs away and jumps into the older brother's mouth. He takes up residence there. Uh, on that day, when the polite boy says, please, um, it comes out double. So, you know, can you pass the potatoes, please, please? Because there's two please, right, uh, living in his mouth. When the impolite child tries to uh, follow suit, he just mumbles a sound. May I have a drink of water? May I have a drink of water? No one can understand him. And the family is bewildered, of course. Right? After a while, the, uh, having been refreshed, the escapee returns to the mouth of the impolite boy and order is restored. Right? Okay, you get the moral of the story. Use your please. <laughs> please, use your please. Exercise your please. And I'm going, that's prayer. Right? You and I have give, been given this amazing uh, part this amazing experience, this chance to pray. And the more we pray, the stronger it grows, the more prevalent our prayer life in, in our entire spiritual life for, the mat, for that matter. The less we pray, almost like a muscle that becomes atrophied and, 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 and unable to, to, to work, um, you know, prayer starts to kind of fade we may even lose the ability to pray. Right? 
when we neglect prayer. If you and I are neglecting prayer, no wonder the Christian life feels like a drag. No wonder there's no pleasure. No wonder there's no power. Yeah. I often feel guilty about talking about prayer and not actually praying. So let's finish uh, by giving ourselves a few minutes um, to, yeah, to find these gateway catalyst depth phenomena. Let's pray.